My humble pranams at the lotus feet of our beloved Lord, Sairam brothers and sisters. I hope you don't get tired of listening to me by the end of this weekend. The concept of the homework that I'm giving to you actually came to us from Swami back uh, uh, starting around 2009. When we first came to Swami's uh, hospital, we asked his permission to work, and uh, he actually told us what to do, when to do, how to do, etc., etc. Very briefly, but we were able to catch on what we needed to do and how to do it according to Swami's will. We thought that we were told actually by many of the senior doctors that Swami doesn't talk so much anymore. He's really withdrawn himself. This was around 2008. But what we found is that when we would go to Puttaparthi physically, the Swami would in some way or the other interact with us, usually by speaking to us, by giving us internal signs, or as I had mentioned one time, even keeping us there for three weeks. Around 2009, Swami started speaking very frequently to my wife, Shivani, and he gave her a certain tasks to do for her work. He had told her to stop her work as an investment banker and become a spiritual consultant, a spiritual counselor, rather, and would give her a lot of work to do. And he would say, do this, do this, do this, and come back in one week. And then she would do the work that was assigned to her, write it down, and then we would go back a week or two later, or as the time frame uh, asked by Swami, and show the work that had been done. And this would go on for quite uh, some time. It went on through about halfway through 2010, about a year and a half. So this was the homework that Swami was giving us. And it was related, in, in this particular case, it was often related to my wife Shivani's work. But this is how the concept of these homeworks have developed. Now, if you look carefully, all of the homework that you received in just these last two sessions, these are priceless spiritual practices. And these are not practices that I would like for you to do just between this and the next session, but I would hope that you would take these back home with you, read them, practice them, and share them with your like-minded friends and family members. These are very, very powerful practices. I never know the homework until the time comes to give the homework, and then it just comes. We do the same thing in our weekly meditations that we have at our home in Bangalore on Swami's hospital campus. So take these homeworks very seriously. I shouldn't say seriously. Take them sincerely because they're very important. So with that, now in the evening we're having a question and answer session where you give the questions and I give the answers, but now it's time to reverse it. So now I get to give the questions and you have to give the answers. So let's start with the review of the homework from the last session. So if I could have the Sewadals uh, give out the microphones. The first homework was to repeat, I am Sai. And not just to say it, just I am Sai, I am Sai, I am Sai. Your, your MP3 player can do that. But to say it as if it is coming from Sai himself. So who wants to volunteer? No one? Okay. On the side, please. So if the lady Sevadal could hand over the microphone to the sisters on the side. Uh, Sairam. Uh, when I said I'm Sai, as 
as Swami in me, I felt really powerful and very confident and I'm like, oh, I could do this. I am really Sai. I started to believe that I am really Sai. So that's the energy I got by saying I'm Sai, thinking that uh, Swami is in me. So that's the energy okay. I got. I felt really powerful, full of energy. I was wondering where was this, all this energy before. I used to say just utter I'm Sai just like that. But now I felt it's completely different and I felt the vibrations in me when I really said I am Sai with the feeling of Sai in me. Good, very good. Now say it, next time you do it though, say it not as the practices of, of I'm sorry, tell me your name, sister? Uh, Prashanti. So it's not Prashanti saying I am Sai. It is Swami saying I am Sai. Right? You see the difference? Yeah? Sister? Sai Ram. Uh, yeah, even I got the same feeling like what she shared right now. Previously, I used to say, okay, I'm God, I'm God. That is mechanically from the lips, but not from inside. But after listening to you, I did like sincerely, I wanted to do that, what you said. I want to practice it, feeling with the I am Sai, telling like that. So I really found the difference between previously what I am uttering, I am Sai, and now what I am saying, I am Sai. There are no distractions to the mind. The mind is completely focused on what I am saying inside. So I really felt, wow, we can really like control our mind by saying the thoughts like this, uttering the thoughts, I am Sai. So it really worked for me. Very good, very yeah. good. Beautiful, beautiful. That's wonderful. Now, that gives you self-confidence. And that self-confidence gives you what? Self-satisfaction, right? You see the steps, and then you have self-sacrifice before you know it, you're self-realized. That's all. Simple. Right? <laughs> I think there's a comment on the gen side. Yes, sir. I think when uh, I started saying I'm Sai and thought about Swami saying that inside of me, the first change was that I said, how would Swami act? So, when I'm going down towards lunch, I'm thinking about how would Swami do. When I'm eating portions, I'm thinking about I should eat less. Even when I'm chewing, the food tastes better. So, <laughs> Very good, good, good. Because you do be careful how you behave, no? If you are Swami, then you should behave as Swami behaves. Doesn't mean that you walk around doing like this. But the love and the bliss that Swami gives is what you should be giving because you are Sai. Very good. I think another comment on the Gen side? Yes, sir. So I had uh, similar feelings when I started repeating it uh, and thinking about it as Swami saying it. <clears throat> but my mind immediately went to what would happen when I leave this place? How can I sustain this? You did say this morning I don't need to think about tomorrow. But frankly, I'm thinking about tomorrow. And uh, so, so any help you can provide in saying, how can we sustain this outside of this environment would be appreciated. Yeah. So for that, I think you need to create an environment which fosters this type of spiritual practice. It can be through your Sai community, your Sai center, which ideally should be a place where you are supporting each other, uh, loving each other, helping each other to work towards self-realization. All of you are already God. There's nothing you have to achieve. There's nothing you have to acquire. There's nothing you have to attain. You're already that. All you're doing is simply remembering. That's it. 
There's nothing else. There's nothing for you to acquire or attain. There's nothing that you don't have. Let me make this clear. There is nothing that you do not already have. And there is nothing outside of you that will provide what you're looking for. Once Swami said, creation is so designed that everything will in the end cause you dissatisfaction. Then he said, even your own Swami. Nothing outside of you will ever satisfy you. His exact words were, nothing outside of you will ever satisfy you, even your own Swami. Why? Because as long as we're seeing Swami outside of us, there's separation. Right? As long as you're seeing separation, you're in Maya. As long as you're in Maya, you are bound to be disappointed. That is the law. That's the way creation works. So look inside of yourselves. No need to go hundreds of thousands of miles all the way to the moon when you just need to move a few inches inside of yourself. Everything is there. Let's move on to the second homework, which was what? Who am I? Where do I begin and where do I end? Did anyone have a chance to practice this? I know there wasn't much time gap between the two sessions. So what I'll do is, um, I think we will briefly go over some of these homeworks in the evening session, just before we start the question and answer session, okay? So that way you have time, because I know you have time for individual sadhana this afternoon, right? So let's take this time. So the second homework was, who am I? Where do I begin and where do I end? The third homework? To see how reflection, no, there's one more before that. Yes. So we have a group singing this evening, right? And we have omkar also. So during those two times, I would like for you to chant or sing as if you are that to which you are singing to. When you are singing Swami, Swami's name or the name of Christ or the name of Buddha or the name of Jehovah, feel as if you are that. Sing from that. Do you see? When you chant Omkar, feel that you are the Parabrahman and Om is emanating from you. So this is the practice. And then I want you to contemplate, because everything is reflection, reaction, resound. I want you to contemplate on your own life and to see what is being reflected back to you. For example, if you're overweight, Overweight or even putting on a few pounds typically has to do with a reflected need, reflection, reaction, resound. It typically has to do with the need for protection. Protection. So if you feel that you are overweight, then where do you need protection? When it becomes extreme, when it becomes obesity, it can also be a need for protection, but oftentimes it is greed that is being reflected. So look at these things and see where reflection, reaction, resound is coming back to you, both in your physical body as well as in your relationships at work, your relationships with your family members, etc., etc. Okay, This is the, actually a very critical homework and this is one which you need to contemplate on for some time. So any questions on that, on the homework? Dr. Kusuma?
So the comment for those who couldn't hear is that when she was chanting or when she was thinking that she should chant Omkar and thinking it should come from inside, then the mind starts to work. Uh, so the Omkar kept coming and you couldn't think of anything. Once Swami asked the boys, he said, what is it like to have a thought? So if you can go into that thoughtless state, that's it, that's it, right? Allow yourself to go into that state. See, we're all using these practices to achieve that silence. Remember, silence is not merely the cessation of words. It is the cessation of thoughts. So we're using all of these practices to achieve that state of thoughtlessness, not carelessness, but the state of no thought. In that silence, you become that. You know that you are God. You are the Parabrahman. You are the Paramatma. You are Brahma, Vishnu, Maheshwara. Christ and you are one and the same. The Buddha is simply a manifestation of yourself. All of these universes, not one universe, universes are simply a tiny, infinitesimally small spark, a speck within yourself and you will know it automatically. It just happens. So go into that state of no thought, and you can use these techniques to do that. When we do the Omkar uh, chanting this afternoon, that's what I'm expecting from you. Okay? One more question. How, did, uh, how, did, how does fear, um, it, like how does that correlate with the reaction, reflection, resound? Like having a fear of something. How does I'll come that... to that. I'll come to that in the discussion. Okay, let's begin. Today's afternoon session is going to be on love and service. So these are my two favorite topics, love and service. And as I told you this morning, there's really nothing more than loving all and serving all. Love all, serve all, as Swami says. This is the first lesson and this is the last lesson. What we're going to do today is to dive deep into the meaning of this very simple statement. We put it on our t-shirts, we put it on our bumper stickers, we see it all over the Sai Center, but how are we practicing this most important spiritual practice? That's what we're going to discuss. Once Swami took two devotees by the hand, two very old, long-time devotees. Actually, you probably know them, John and Kalasu Wintergate. They had come and spoken, uh, was it last year or two years back at the Northeast Regional Retreat? And he told them this, and I'm going to remind you of it again. Swami took their hands and he said, I'm now going to tell you something you must never forget. In the end, when the body has turned to dust and everything is gone, the only thing that will matter is not how big of a house you had or what type of car you drove or how much money you had in your bank account. The only thing that will matter, Swami said, is how much love you have shared with all of creation in every single moment of your life. Then Swami took his hand like this and he said, the rest, byproduct. The only thing that matters is how much love you have shared with all of creation in every single moment of your life. So when Swami says, love all, he doesn't just mean love the people in your Sai Center or love your family. He doesn't just mean be nice 
when it is convenient to do so. He means love the whole creation, everything and every one. So can we do this now? Can we sit together and let us extend our love to the whole creation? This is not about listening. You've not come here to listen. You've come here to practice. Practice, practice, practice. So let's practice this now, okay? So let's sit up straight, and as always, let's breathe in and out at least three times to settle ourselves inside. We're going to actually practice what it is like to love all of creation. Let's start by seeing this small, very beautiful community here in Slotesburg, New York. And let's see it as Swami would see it, as a most beautiful, precious creation. You might see it as a small child, just as a mother would love her young child. You might wish to love it in that way. So beautiful and so precious. And let's give this entire community all the love that we can master, that we can gather together. And now let's extend that love, not only to just this community, but the entire state of New York. So many millions of people, all parts of ourselves. Let's give them all the love that we can gather together. You should feel that your heart is opening like a flower blossoming as this love pours through you. And let's extend that love not just to one state, but to this entire region. So many millions of people, millions of animals, millions of trees, plants, uncountable numbers of specks of sand and grain, dust. They're all parts of yourself. Give that love even to the tiniest insect Feel a sweetness of concern and love for each and everything. And now let's extend that love to the entire country. Every being, everywhere, every business, every government official, every corporation, every executive, every child, Everyone, all the animals, all the trees, the soil, the wind, the water, give that love to everything in this country. And extend that love further out until you're embracing all of North America, Central America, and go down even to South America. Feel the pulse of these places. Feel it beating with love doesn't matter what they're doing on the outside. Inside, you're just seeing love, love, love. Let's spread that love to embrace Europe, to embrace Asia. Let's embrace Africa. Let's embrace Australia and all those little islands that lie around, all important all beautiful, all precious. And let's not forget all the penguins in 
Antarctica. Let's embrace them as well. Everything, the entire planet, embrace it in your divine, unconditional love. You expect nothing from them. You just seek to give love to everything and everyone on the planet. And now, as if you're watching a movie, let's zoom out so that we see our planet and the moon. And let's embrace both of these celestial bodies. And let's go out further still, embracing our entire solar system, the sun, the planets, the asteroids, the comets, everything that revolves around our star. Feel this love intensifying as you see everything is so precious and so beautiful. Love it as if a thousand mothers were loving her most precious and beloved child. And allow the scene to move forward again until you're loving not just our solar system, but this part of the galaxy in which our planet dwells. So many countless aspects of creation is present. And moving forward still, outward still, embracing the entire galaxy. Embrace the entire galaxy, and, and if you wish, you might even hug the galaxy to you as if a mother would hug her most beautiful baby. Such a beautiful galaxy. But you know, there are so many galaxies. Let's extend our field of view even further until we see so many, many galaxies in this part of creation. And let's extend our love to all of them and each and every being and each and every aspect of creation in each of those beautiful galaxies. See them all as part of you. If you're resisting, then see where it is within you that you're resisting giving this love. Correct that resistance through love and let's extend that love even further, embracing the entire universe. All the heavenly beings, all the deities, all the galaxies, the supernovas, the clusters of stars, the planets, the moons, the countless, countless number of beings. In just this one, universe. Love it as a mother would love her most beautiful, most precious child. And now let's extend our view even further until we see not just our universe, but all the other universes, countless creations, endless creation. Embrace it all. Bring it to your bosom and love it with all the love that you can muster. And now in your 
inner seam, I want you to take this entire creation and let it shrink down to the size of a small ball that you can hold in the palm of your hand. You can even lift up your right hand, or if you're left-handed, you're left-handed, your left hand, and just feel, think, visualize, or imagine that the entire creation is there in your hand, and love that whole creation. You don't expect or want anything from it. You just wish to give love. Gather the most tender, the sweetest, the most beautiful love that you can and give it fully to this creation. And now let's go one step further. I want you to breathe in and as you breathe in, I want you to breathe this creation which you're holding in your hand into you and let it dissolve into you. And then I want you to exhale, and as you exhale, I want you to breathe out this creation, out of yourself, back into your hand, and see what a marvelous creation has been made. Breathe in again, breathing this entire, most beautiful, precious creation into you, allowing the creation to dissolve within you, becoming you. And then when you feel ready, take a long, sweet exhalation and allow this beautiful creation to be created again, going back into the palm of your hand. And do this one more time, breathing in and dissolving creation. Feel the bliss as that creation melts into you. And when you exhale, feel the bliss, the ananda, as that creation is once again created, coming into your hand. One more time, focusing on that ananda, that bliss. As you inhale, focus on the bliss, the joy of bringing creation into you, allowing it to dissolve into nothingness. And as you exhale, feel the bliss, the joy, and the love as this creation is brought out of you back into the palm of your own hand. And for a few moments, just watch this beautiful creation with great love. And then let's slowly come back. 
can gently wiggle your hands, your feet, your toes. Coming back to Saturday afternoon. So how did that feel? Golden light, okay, good. And the orange and black? Okay, so she was imagining the whole creation as her nephew because she really loves him and was feeling like he, she was hugging him in that sense. This process of breathing in creation and breathing out creation This is the process of creation, preservation, and dissolution. This is what you as Brahma, Vishnu, and Maheshwara do all the time. Yugas and yugas and yugas go by. Mahayugas roll by in the blink of an eye. But it is nothing to you. It is nothing to the self. Millions, billions, trillions of years, it's nothing. Nothing at all. Once we were with Swami, and Swami said, come here. No, I'm sorry, he didn't say, he said, come, I want to tell you a secret. We thought, really? Swami's going to tell us a secret? We got so excited. So we leaned forward like this. Swami also got excited. He also leaned forward. And then he said, actually, nothing really exists. Put his hand like this. He said, there is nothing. And then he just leaned back. And we were sort of stunned by the magnitude of what he said. We were just digesting it, and he was waiting for us to take in that. We asked a few more questions, and then afterwards we asked, is there anything else before we had to leave? Is there anything else, Swami? And then Swami said, when there is nothing, there is nothing to say. (laughs) And then over. So this whole creation is actually nothing, nothing, nothing. One of the questions that I saw already uh, was to ask about the golden age and what will happen, how will it happen, etc., etc., etc. And all that is fine. I mean, if you want to know, I'll tell you. But really, it's nothing. <laughs> when you are that self, when you are the Parabrahman who creates the entire creation just like this, and when you dissolve it just like this, just a breath away, what is there to be concerned about? Does it really matter? Within this play, yes, it does matter quite a bit. But for the God self that you are, ah, byproduct. The only thing that matters is how much love you have shared with all of creation in every single moment of your life. The rest is byproduct. Remember this and practice this. My personal practice is what I just now showed you. I simply be and I share that love with the whole creation. I take the entire creation into me. That's my practice. And I continuously do that, even while sleeping. While sleeping, you see, when you sleep, 
When your physical body goes to sleep at night, the last thought that you have is like the screensaver on your computer. It's the consciousness that carries through as you sleep at night. So you can program your sleep by paying attention to the last thought that you have before your body drifts off into sleep. So this is how you can continue to love even while your physical body is sleeping. So you're ending your day in love. This is what Swami says, right? Start the day in love, spend the day with love, fill the day with love, end the day with love. This is what he means. End the day with love so that even the night is filled with love while your physical body sleeps. Simple, no? Very simple. This is all you have to do. Now, once in another interview, we asked Swami, we said, uh, we were, it was myself here, like Swami was sitting, if, if the podium is, I can't say the podium, but if Swami is sitting here in his chair, I was sitting on Swami's side, my son was here, and then my wife was on this side of my son to, the, to Swami's right side, and right in front of Swami. And we asked Swami, I said, Swami, we want to love the way that you love, but sometimes we're not able to. Immediately, Swami answered, she, he looked at my wife Shivani and he said, because sometimes you are afraid. And I repeated because I wanted to be sure I understood what Swami said. I said, because we are afraid, Swami. And Swami turned and looked at me and he said, and because sometimes you forget. This is why we are not able to love in the way that Swami loves, either because we are afraid or because we forget. Now, why would, be why would we be afraid to love? Why? Maybe because we're afraid to express ourselves. Maybe we are afraid to look weak. This happens in office settings, corporate settings, where everyone is being macho, especially in masculine-dominated settings. All the ladies know about this, right? Why are we afraid? What happens Someone is doing something we don't like, but we don't want to rock the boat. So we acquiesce, we give in, and we fail to express love in that moment. Perhaps it was a firm type of love that was needed. Perhaps it was a gentle, nurturing type of love. But because we are afraid, we don't give that love. We're not able to love as Swami loves. And then the other reason is because we forget. We get distracted. We talked about distractions yesterday with our gadgets. We get distracted by our homework. Is she still sitting here? Did she go away? She's in the back. Now she's sitting in the back. <laughs> At least she learned her lesson. <laughs> so we forget, right? We forget to love. We go about our day getting caught up in traffic, getting caught up in emails, getting caught up in internet, in cell phones, in whatever it is, getting caught up in worrying, and so we forget. So look at these reasons within yourself. For, for us, this constant practice of loving is it's the best practice. It's the only practice. Love all, serve all. Constant love. Why are we not able to love like Swami loves? Because we are afraid? or we forget. Are there other reasons? Why are we afraid? Can you think of any other reasons? Just shout them out. Because it means we have to acknowledge that we're God, and with that comes responsibility. Exactly. The, the comment was, because it means we have to acknowledge that we are God, and with that comes responsibility. But what is the only responsibility that God has? Love. Love. 
right? That's it. Everything else happens automatically. Once uh, Swami was asked, Swami, you must have planned so many things when you uh, took your incarnation as the avatar. Swami said, I don't do anything. I just take the divine sankalpa, the divine will, and then after that, everything happens automatically. God has no worries. Why do we need to have any also? Right? So this, this is one of the reasons. Do you have another reason? Uh, when someone doesn't meet our expectations. That's a very good reason. So what is inherent in that expectation? Attachment, right? And when there's attachment, does that mean your love is conditional or unconditional? <laughs> conditional, obviously. So then we have to learn to love unconditionally, without any expectation, without any attachment. Swami once said, you can have it all, be it all, play it all, do it all, but only one rule. No attachment to anything. That includes all of the people with whom you interact. We all expect our spouse, our children, our family members, our friends, we all expect them to behave, to speak, to do things in a certain way. Yet when they fail to live up to our expectations, we are disappointed. We all expected Swami to live to physical 96 years, thinking, ah, he'll be around till 2020, I don't have anything to do till then, I'll wait till 2018, then I'll get serious. Right? And then we were disappointed because of expectations. Remember, as long as you are looking for something outside of yourself, you will always be disappointed. That is how creation is set up. Swami only left his physical robe, but he's kept his universal omnipresent robe. The universal sigh is very much with us. It's the only thing that is. There's nothing else. Any other reasons why we are afraid to love? Yes. We're afraid our love will be rejected. That's a very good reason, very good reason. We're afraid our love will be rejected. Again, is that conditional love or unconditional love? It's conditional love, right? Because you're expecting love in return. If I love you, but I'm expecting you to love me back, then I'm not loving unconditionally, am I? I'm expecting something, even if it's love in return. But if I just love you just because of love, just for love's sake, that's unconditional love. Yes, sister? Don't love yourself. You don't love yourself. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are reading my mind. You don't love yourself. This is a very important topic. We don't love ourselves. If you do not love yourself, how can you love others? I hear so many people, especially Sai devotees, especially Sai devotees say, I'm so bad, I'm not good enough, uh, I don't deserve Swami's grace. Uh, uh, I, I just can't do it. Uh, you, Srikanth, you may be able to do all these things, but I couldn't do all this stuff. Uh, it'll take a long time to achieve what you have. I say, yeah, about five minutes. <laughs> we don't love ourselves. We don't have self-confidence. We don't have self-love. Why are you afraid to love yourself when you are a perfect creation of Swami's? You are the perfect image of Swami. You are Swami himself. Once uh, my wife, Shivan, and I, we, liked, we are each other's constant satsang. And so we were talking about this issue of self-love. We see it constantly. Everything is reflection, reaction, resound. So if you don't love yourself, guess what happens in your relationships? What happens? Tell me. 
it gets reflected back to you. You get people who will tell you that you're not good enough, that you're not worthy, that you deserve to be sexually abused, that you deserve to be physically abused, that you deserve to be verbally abused because you, it's your fault and you're not good enough. Do you see how it happens? Everything is reflection, reaction, resound. This is how it works because you're not able to love even yourself. If you cannot love yourself, how is it possible for you to love others? Now, we were talking like this, and uh, as Swami would quite frequently do, he would just suddenly stop and talk to Shivani. Shivani would sit in the front line in the ladies' section in those days. We were very blessed. And uh, we'd just go by, and once uh, Swami stopped, and he said, don't just love yourself, be madly in love with yourself. This is the type of love. Be madly in love. Love yourself so much because you're a perfect creation of Swami. Not in a selfish way. Not in a narcissistic way. Not that. Love the divinity in you that's just bursting forward like the sun's rays from the sun. That's the type of love. Never selfish. Selfless. Give yourself that type of love. Don't just love yourself. Be madly in love with yourself. So can we do this now? Can we practice this self-love? This feels really good, I'll tell you, okay? <laughs> all right, so everybody, put your arms around yourself. And we're all gonna say together, I love me. Okay, ready? Let's say, I love me. Hi, that's pretty puny, okay. <laughs> Again, louder, louder, louder. I love me better, better, but still a little anemic. This time I want you to squeeze yourself really tight like you're giving yourself a big hug. And now let's shout it out until the roof falls off. I love me. This is the kind of love that we need. <laughs> Give this love to yourself every day. You know, when I was coming down here, this is the love. And, and I, we constantly play with ourselves. This is the love. I was looking at myself in the mirror. I said, oh, Swami, man, you've made one good-looking guy. <laughs> it's playing. It's fun. Have fun with yourself. Look at yourself and say, oh, Swami, man, this is a good-looking creation you made this time. Have fun. You're not being selfish. You're not being narcissistic. You're just loving the divinity that is just pouring out of you. You can't even contain it. It's like that. That's the type of love that is required. When you can love yourself, then you will be able to love others. Otherwise, what happens with the love that comes from you is conditional love. It's conditional love. Because the love for you is conditional. If you don't love yourself, reflection reaction, resound. Creation will give you many, many reasons not to love yourself. But when you do love yourself, reflection, reaction, resound. Creation gives you many, many more reasons to love yourself. We were just joking the other day, Shivani and I, whenever we travel, especially when we travel together, people just fall all over us. Not side devotees. We, we went to the jungle in South India for vacation recently. And the people there, the general manager of the resort where we were staying, everybody was just falling all over themselves. They, the general manager gave us a huge discount at the end of the stay. We thought, man, this is great. <laughs> it works because it's creation responding to its love. It's love loving love.
This is the type of love that we have to have, Swami's love. Don't be afraid and don't forget. Okay? Now, how many of you have had a chance to go to the Mahasamadhi that is since Swami left his physical form? How many of you had a chance to go? Oh, quite a number, quite a number. I'll tell you our experience when we go. We feel like we are sitting in front of the sun getting baked. So much love. And it is just pure, pure, pure love coming from Swami's Mahasamadhi. If you've not had a chance to go, get on the next plane and go and experience that divine sweet love that comes from the Samadhi. It is there in you, but what happens is because of the conditioning, because we forget, we're not able to receive it from ourselves. You don't have to go all the way to India to receive that love. It's there inside of you. Remember, you never need to travel hundreds of thousands of miles. You just need to go a few inches inside of yourself. And that same pure love is within you as well. If you have the chance, if you're fortunate enough to go physically, then take advantage. It is heaven, heaven, heaven. And what I find is uh, when Swami was present physically, we, in those days we would be in Bangalore in Whitefield and we would simply be in that state, that sat state, the state of the self. No thoughts, nothing. But then when we would go to Puttaparthi in Darshan, so many things, doing, 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 would come. And we think, hey, what's this, Swami? What kind of maya do you have? Your maya is too powerful. We're not able to penetrate it. We love being with Swami. We love the physical interactions with him. It was wonderful. Now with the Mahasamadhi, it's so easy to tune into Swami. It's so simple. You would have to be a stone not to be able to feel the love that's pouring from there. It's beautiful. It's heaven, heaven, heaven on earth. Now, when we love, like Swami loves, what will happen is that we will no longer resist anything. We will embrace everything. So many times I would see Swami with so many other devotees. I would, have, I would always try to learn because I knew that in everything that Swami did, he was always teaching, 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 even if it was just a very simple thing. And I knew that the same action that was meant for one person would have many different meanings for many other people. So I was always looking for the teaching in whatever Swami did. And what I saw was that he never rejected, he never frowned, he never resisted, unless, of course, it was meant for a teaching, for teaching a particular devotee. But he never resisted anything. He was always embracing everything. A true master will embrace everything. A true master will embrace everything. This is the next higher meaning of love all. You will love everything. You will love the good. You will love the bad. You will love the pleasant. You will love the unpleasant. You will love what is sacred. You will love what is evil. You will love what is kind. You will love what is unkind. It will all be the same love coming from you, regardless of what is the outer manifestation of that part, which is only a part of yourself. This is the higher aspect of love all. See, it is easy to be in a state of love when we're in such a beautiful environment, these sacred halls, the sacred campus, full of trees, full of God's beautiful creation. But it is not so easy when, say, you're driving through downtown New York City and traffic is at its worst and people are coming knocking on your window trying to sell you things that you don't need or want, right? But that is the practice. That is the practice. That's why Swami said, love all. He didn't say, love when you feel like it. 
He didn't say love when it is convenient. He said love all. Loving all means not only the good and the bad, it also means loving all the time. All the time. See, the sun never takes a break. It just continues giving, giving, giving. That is a type of love. What would happen to us if the sun said, you know, tomorrow is Sunday, I'm taking a day off. Love all the time. Love everything. Love all of creation. Love with all of your being. That is love all. This is the practice. This is the practice. This is the type of love I'm asking you to give. This is the type of love Swami has been giving for so many decades. This is the type of love he is expecting us to give. Our lives are his message. Now with that, let's go on to service because from love, we naturally go into service. Um, before, I, before I do this, I want to talk about one thing, though, I'm sorry. The opposite of love, uh, I wouldn't say the opposite, the opposite of loving all, meaning embracing all, the opposite of embracing everything is resistance. And one thing that I've noticed is that occasionally some of the individuals in this room will have resistance to what is being said. It may be because they're resisting what I'm saying, or it may be because they're resisting whatever thoughts or emotions are welling up within them. I'll give you a simple example. Let's say you get acidity in your stomach. Let's say you get gas in your stomach. Let's say, whatever, you get a heartburn or something like that. Why? Everything is reflection, reaction, resound. Look within yourself and see what is in your life that you are not able to digest. And it happens just like this. The moment you feel heartburn, the moment you feel a little gas coming up, the moment you feel a little bit of stomach uneasiness, what is it that you are resisting? What is it that you're resisting? Does everyone understand this? Can you give me an example, sister sitting in the white, in the corner? Yes. What do you resist? No, but just give an example from your life. Nothing comes to mind? Next, sitting next to you, what do you resist? Husband? <laughs> anything new, anything new. So what happens when you resist something? Are you happy in that moment? No. The law, the law of resistance says that the moment you resist anything, you will suffer. The moment you resist anything, you will suffer then you're no longer loving all. You've forgotten. You've forgotten. See how simple, simple, simple things. Love all. Love all of creation. Love all the time. Love everything, the good and the bad. Love with all of your being. Embracing everything, resisting nothing. This is true love. When you are resisting, you are no longer loving. You are doing the opposite. And when you are resisting, oftentimes we become serious. And when we become serious, Swami says, you are no longer living, you are simply existing. Okay. So question from our sister in the back. If you can speak loud, please. Resistance was fear. Resistance is a form of fear. Or fear, you should say, I could say better, would be a form of resistance. Fear comes from a feeling of separation. And separation of you from that other thing 
or whatever is depending on the situation. Fear comes from separation. Once you get rid of separation, you will no longer have any fear. Question there in the corner, in the side corner. So the question is, should we not resist temptation? Should we not resist ego? Boy, that sounds like an easy way to chocolate cake to me. Yeah? <laughs> no. That would be giving up discrimination, right? That would be giving up discipline. Discipline and dis discrimination are critical aspects on the spiritual path. Loving all means you no longer say, like that. That's what it means. Let's go on to the next portion of the talk. We'll take some questions later on, so I'll continue now. When you love, you'll automatically serve. Service and love are intertwined. They come naturally, just as night and day. It's not that they're separate from each other, they're actually part of each other. Service is a way to purify ourselves. And let me make this clear. You are not serving anyone. The one who is serving, the act of service, and the one who is being served, it is all Swami. It is all God. When you go and sing carols to the senior citizens today in the nursing home, the ones who sing are Swami. The ones who are listening are also Swami. And the act of singing is also Swami, right? Now, what did you resist just now, the gentleman who coughed? Do you see how this works? Who coughed just now? <laughs> Susan, what did you resist? Um, I thought you were going to say Look within and see what were you resisting at that time. Usually when people cough, it's either a call for attention or it's resistance. Yeah. Simple, no? Simple. <laughs> if you are not serving, you have been given this divine body in this divine time. There are billions and billions and billions of souls waiting to be born on this earth at this time, and you are the fortunate few that know of the Satyasai avatar and have the good fortune of being in his divine omnipresence, aware of the grand work that he is doing. If you are not serving, your body is as good as a corpse. Why did you take birth? Wasting this opportunity. This is a grand opportunity that will never, ever, ever come again. The Satyasai avatar is a once-in-a-time, once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-lifetimes avatar. Such a character, such a personality has never existed. So many, many stories. I'll just, I'll just share a few handfuls with you. Once one of our friends who was amongst the first batch of students to graduate from Swami's College for Women in Anantapur was sharing this, student, this story. This event happened in the 1960s, and she was a teenager at the time, and Swami had called their family in for an interview. And Swami sat down in his chair, and he started singing a song. And the song was actually from an old black-and-white Hindi movie. Uh, and the song, if you translate it into English, goes like this. It says, come, come, O youth, come, let us march forward together. And so Swami sat in his chair, and he started singing. 
चल चल रे नो जवान चल चल रे नो जवान सो स्वामी वॉज सिंगिंग कंप्लीट विथ आर मोशंस एंड एंड आर फ्रेंड लाफ शी वॉज अ टीन एजर सेट स्वामी वट इज दिस सॉन्ग दैट यू आर सिंगिंग एंड स्वामी इवन हैप्पी ही सेट चलो मिलके चले हम चल चल रे नो जवान लाइक दिस सच अ पर्सनैलिटी वीव नेवर सीन इन दिस डिवाइन एवटार ऑन अनदर ओकेजन she was teasing swami in those days swami wouldn't say knowledge he would say knowledge so she once she wanted to tease swami she said swami say knowledge swami said are so then he did like this as knowledge <laughs> one of my phd students from the university who works with me he was once given the opportunity this was about 5 6 years ago or so when swami had come to the brindavan uh, ashram and in those days in the summer the boys would take turns opening the curtain for swami as he came out for darshan and so the day before their turn came they would be given a chance to practice opening the curtain so one of the professors would take them and they would go to that door and they would be shown how to open it it shouldn't be open too fast because if it were too fast the curtain rod could fall down and fall on swami that wouldn't be good it shouldn't be open too slow because if it were too slow it, swami needs to walk through in a certain way etc etc so they had practiced chuk like this chuk like until they got it right so this was the task the divine opportunity given to them so our student was standing there it is chance had come and he saw swami come out of three brindavan walking to towards the uh, back of the uh, the hall the sairamesh hall towards the door where he was going to go out and then greet the devotees who had already assembled for his divine darshan so swami starts walking out and he, swami is totally casual there are some sevadals there and swami is going like this to them and then he signs some autographs one sevadal has some uh, a, a pair of sunglasses in his pocket so swami takes the sunglasses out of his pocket puts it on himself and looks around as how do i look <laughs> gives the sunglasses back there's another faculty there who's wearing a watch so swami takes his hands like this and says why is your watch upside down and he says no swami it's gone it's correct like this it's so like this then swami comes up he skips up the steps to the uh this was more than 6 years ago this was quite some time ago he skips up the steps to the uh to the door and he does like this to his hair and then he looks at my friend and my uh, the student he goes like this the the curtain goes like this and immediately swami goes <laughs> this is the play of our lovable swami so sweet so fun but swami once said again to our friend he said every avatar has its format that was the word swami used format rama had his format Krishna had his format and the Satya Sai avatar has his format the Rama and Krishna formats will repeat themselves but the Satya Sai format never only once you who have been born during this unique opportunity do not waste it frittering away on online shopping on answering emails sending sms messages on gossip on watching tv and movies through your uh, what is that thing called roku ruko it's like endless distraction why are you wasting your time when you should be out there serving sometimes i hear once i heard of a couple side of a couple just recently who were saying we don't we would like to serve but we really don't have time 
my wife got afraid because if I had heard them say that, she knows that lightning would come from above and they would be <laughs> burnt. If you're not serving, you're as good as a corpse. Why are you wasting so much time? I would have asked them, why are you wasting so much time? And you say you don't have time to serve? Why were you born? To simply eat and sleep? Serve. Get out there and serve, 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 and make that everything that your life is focused on. Be practical. Be practical, right? Common sense is required. Serve to the best of your ability and to the best of your resources. You don't have to wear yourself to the bone. I learned that the hard way. I would go out and work, work, work in Swami's hospital until I fall sick. And then one of the doctors told me, you know, this is not what Swami wants. Because Swami had once really scolded one of the senior doctors from the Whitefield General Hospital, who also would work like that. And Swami said, this is not the way to work. If you fall sick, who will take care of our patients? Right? Common sense. Right? So we work in a way that is balanced. Now when I work, when I serve in Swami's hospital, I try to be like Swami has always been, always paced and always poised. There may be 50 patients to be seen. It doesn't matter. I will always be paced and always be poised. I think Dr. Michael can and uh, Susan can both uh, uh, corroborate that. So serve. Serve in a way to the best of your capacity. If you are a young adult, you have this golden opportunity because so much service opportunities will be given to you. In the times that are to come, when Swami incarnates as Premasai, you will have so much work to do. So get with it and start now because you don't want to put it all to the last minute and then he comes and says, Are, what were you people doing while I was gone? <laughs> right? Serve, serve and serve. This is what matters. Once there was a group of devotees from Egypt and their practice was to come home from office, quickly have dinner, clean up the house, wash the dishes, and then they would go out with their family to whatever their place of service was and serve for about an hour or two every day. And on weekends, they would quickly take care of their errands and their household work, and they would all go and serve together. This is how they would work. They weren't Indians. They weren't, uh, they were actually Muslims usually not people who come to Swami. And in those days, this was the 80s, they went for a group pilgrimage to Swami. And what did Swami do? Immediately he went to them. And he showered so much love and so much attention on them. And Swami, and someone must have said, oh, they must be very rich. No, they have so much time to serve. Nothing. They were middle-class, ordinary families doing ordinary things, leading extraordinary lives because of the service that they're rendering for Swami's name. But remember, who is serving whom? Swami is doing the service, the one who has served is Swami, and the act of service is also Swami. Do not think that you are helping anyone because that other is you, right? The other person is you only, not separate from you not different from you. No one is different from you. Every person who has spoken up in this hall today is a part of yourself. They're not separate from you. And this is what service will show you, that you are all one. Now, how can you serve even if you're not physically able to? It's a little bit, I'd want to go into this distinction a little bit. Swami says we can serve first by not hurting anyone. If we're not able to help, at least don't harm. Help ever, hurt never. But I would ask you not to outsource your seva. 
Don't outsource your seva. Don't think that I will collect a bunch of money and then I will give it to this organization and then my seva is done. That's, it's fine, it's good if you want to do that, that's fine. We also do that. We regularly donate whatever, a large portion, actually a large portion of our earnings to charity. There's some orphanages that Swami had started, or Swami had asked some devotees to start, excuse me, some of his size students, and we regularly donate uh, whatever we can to those charities because it, it gives us joy. It makes us feel, and when we hear of these children, 250 children, they don't have a home. They have no place to live. They're being taken care of by this orphanage, which is currently building a school. We, our hearts melt when we see those things, when we hear those things. Once we had a patient, uh, patient's mother, there was a child who was hospitalized, and the patient's mother just collapsed one day. And when the nurses went to find out what happened, they learned that although the patient was obviously being fed, the mother felt too shy to ask for extra food, which we're happy to give. The mother felt too shy to ask for extra food, and she hadn't eaten anything except for tea and biscuits for the last three days. And so what I now keep, uh, we have in our hospital these uh, canteen coupons, the same as in the general uh, uh, canteen in Puttaparthi in the Puttaparthi ashram. So we have those coupon system there. So I keep uh, several hundred rupees worth of coupons in my uh, drawer and in my office, both in my outpatient department and my research office. And the nursing sisters know that whenever such a patient is there, they can immediately go and get those coupons to give to the patient. There are some patients who won't ask, either because of language issues or because they're too shy or, or whatever. And so we provide that. This is simple, simple, simple ways of serving. It doesn't require a lot of money. It just requires your love. Now, there's a difference, though, between service that is needed and service of convenience, right? Real service requires sacrifice. Swami said self-confidence is the foundation, self-satisfaction are the walls, and self-sacrifice is the roof. Then you have self-realization. If you're doing service that is convenient, let's say your service is to go online and to click on some website that donates money to charity and you think you click on that every day, ha ha ha, I'm helping so much. That's not doing anything. I mean, maybe it's helping indirectly, but for you it's not doing anything. When there is sacrifice involved, then you are moving forward. And you will only do that when you have self-confidence and self-satisfaction. Do you see how service goes? You're progressing from doing service of convenience. Every Saturday we're going to do a sandwich saver. We're going to pack sandwiches in the convenience of some devotee's home. We're going to conveniently go together, take them to the, uh, to the slum area in town, distribute those sandwiches, and then we'll go back to the comfort of our home. Or you can go into the slums or to the schools for abused kids or to the shelters, and you can provide service that, and that's fine, I'm not, I'm not putting that down, or you can do what really matters, where you're giving love, where you're giving hope, where you're giving resources, where you're giving direction, where you're sacrificing yourself. This is the type of seva that is required. Service with love, where you completely give yourself away. Now, one time when the first super specialty hospital was formed, at that time, Dr. Safaya came and complained to Swami. Swami used to always, now Dr. Safaya is a wonderful gentleman, a true gem, just a beautiful gentleman. He was the first director of Swami's super specialty hospital in Puttaparthi, and, and he only told us this story. So in those days, Swami used to joke that Dr. Safaya was his mother-in-law 
because Dr. Safaya would always come and complain to Swami. So as was usual, Dr. Safaya came and complained to Swami, Swami, how can I run a hospital with Seva dolls? They come here for one week, they do their work, and then they go back, and again the next week we have to train the next batch. How is it possible? Swami said, those devotees have done so much punya, so much merit in their previous births just to have the opportunity to serve in my hospital. Not everyone is given the chance. Not everyone is given the opportunity. It's given by merit. Those devotees have done so much merit in their previous births just to have the opportunity to serve in Swami's hospital. But when you serve in Swami's organizations through the Satya Sai Seva organization, a most sacred organization, Swami will take care of you. Once he told one of our other senior uh, Sevadals, this was back in the 70s that Swami said this, he had called the group of Sevadals together in the Brindavan Ashram, and Swami assured them, if you do my work wholeheartedly, I will not only take care of you for this birth, but also for the rest of all your future births. This is the promise that Swami gave for those who serve in his organization. If you, do your, if you do his work wholeheartedly, Swami will not only take care of you for the rest of this birth, but for all of your future births. Hopefully, maybe only one future birth when Prema Sai comes, then finished. Chal chal reno jawan. <laughs> Swami's institutions are a sacred place, and they are functioning beautifully, beautifully. Swami has set them up so that they would run in perpetuity. Once Swami asked, uh, Swami, how long will this hospital, he was talking about the Whitefield Hospital, how long will this hospital be around? He said, 1,000 years. 1,000 years in God's time is not 1,000. It's infinity. It's perpetuity. This is the, the Sanskrit time, the, the yogic time that is used. On another occasion, our boys had gone, in those days, Swami would give uh, a yearly interview. Just like he would give a yearly interview to all the hospital staff, he would also give a yearly interview to all of the uh, alumni of his institutions who had graduated and were still working in his institutions. So during that meeting, one of the old boys, the ex-students, had asked Swami, Swami, what type of sadhana, what type of spiritual practice should we do? And Swami said, you don't need to do anything. Just do your work sincerely in my institutions and you will reach a level of attainment greater than even the highest tapasya, penance, will give you. This is the power of seva. You don't need to stand on your head for a thousand years and let anthills build over you. You don't need to meditate for 20 hours a day, allowing your body to become like a stick. Do this service. It's the most powerful practice of all. Swami's institutions are running beautifully. Devotees, you don't have to worry. When I see the work that's being done, see, we feel that, I mean, Dr. Michael comes and he sees the work, he sees the patients that are being benefited, and we all think, wow. Then I go to the schools, I go to the primary school, and I see the work that the teachers are doing, and I think, oh gosh, we're not even doing a fraction of what the teachers are doing, educating these young children. Then I see the work that the doctors who volunteer in Swami's mobile hospital are doing. These doctors gather two weeks of every month, they're on a rotating basis, and they take that big, huge van. You know the big, huge van that sits opposite the, uh, the mandir, opposite the veranda? Uh, it looks like it's having Swami's darshan all the time. So that big van, and they take several other trucks, and they all go into the interior most villages. There's no air conditioning. 
There are no toilets most of the time. There are no, many times there's no electricity. They have to bring their own generator. And they go into the villages, they take over a school, they take over the classrooms, and they convert one classroom into an OBGYN clinic, another one becomes an ophthalmology clinic, another one becomes a veterinary clinic for all the villagers' chickens and goats and cattle and all those things. Another one becomes a dentistry clinic, complete with all the equipment, and they go and serve these patients day after day after day. When Swami was speaking to the head of the mobile clinic, he was so happy, he said, this is real seva. This is real seva. And when I see those people, I think, my goodness, what I'm doing is nothing. It's hardly a drop in the bucket. This is the type of seva that Swami loves, and he loves when we do our seva. This is what we expect from you. Serve, serve, serve. Mother Teresa once said that she would like to serve until her last dying breath. That's the type of service. In our Sai centers, the center of the center is Swami, right? The center of the center is Swami. Work together, worship together, love together, remind each other, because sometimes we are afraid and sometimes we forget. Help each other to remember these simple truths that I've shared with you today. Help each other to practice because we all need this satsang. We all need this spiritual fellowship to nurture ourselves. Maya is very, very difficult, very difficult. Once Swami said, Maya is a very jealous goddess. She sits on my lap and she will only move aside if you love me as much as she does. Maya is a very jealous goddess and she sits on my lap and she will only move aside if you love me, Swami, as much as she does. Maya is, can be very difficult. It is, on the one hand, very easy. It's just a thin curtain that you can push aside. It's very easy. But on the other hand, it can be very, very difficult. So work together support each other, remember that we're all humans and we all have our quirkiness and there are a few people who are odd <laughs> and love them just the same because they're all part of yourself. Love them unconditionally. Love them with your entire being. Lose yourself in that love, serving and loving. So we'll end this afternoon session with these sweet words on love. I'll see you again at five o'clock for the Om Karam, and I hope that you will continue the practices, the homework that we've already started. Let's end with Om and Three Shantis. Ah. Uh...